and welcome to the Peaceful Pastures podcast, finding peace in the pastures, spending 10 minutes each day with your shepherd. I am Pastor Daniel Lewig, and this podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministries of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. On day two, we capture the context. We recognize our world today is just a little bit different than the world at the time of the Bible. There are customs, practices, idioms, descriptions of locations that are lost on us. On this day, we take the opportunity to explore the context of the chapters in front of us. Yesterday, we listened to chapters 5 and 6 of the Gospel of Mark. Let's explore what's taking place surrounding this lesson. But first, let us begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, these things are written, that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. Amen. Chapter 5 deals with a lot of geography in the northern area of Israel, specifically the area surrounding Galilee. This area obviously was next to and part of the Sea of Galilee area. You can think of Galilee as a regional name, similar to what we have here in Wisconsin when we refer to the Driftless Area, or think of it as a county name versus city name. Galilee represented a region, and here in chapter 5, we're talking about the place called Gerasenes, which is northeast of the Sea of Galilee. So if you happen to Google or look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, Gerasenes is in the northeast corner of that area. This also refers to an area called the Decapolis, as mentioned in chapter 5. That word deca represents ten, and polis city. So this is talking about the ten cities. If you can think of, especially those with the, the Midwestern area, we know like the Quad Cities in the Iowa and Illinois area. So the Decapolis was ten cities that was east and south of Galilee. So again, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and stretching south, that region there covered ten cities. This area had a population that was a mixture of Gentiles and Jews, but predominantly Gentiles. So this is the setting. In chapter 5, that Jesus comes to with the, the demon-possessed man. It also explains why we have such a large contingency of pigs that are in the area. Pigs were considered unclean, according to Scripture, and then by the, followed by the Jews. So this herd of pigs also denotes either a large Gentile area or non-practicing Jews. But this would have been more of an unbelieving area, which would explain their reaction to this miracle of Jesus. The power of Jesus petrified them. 
after everything takes place, what do we see the, the, the reaction of the crowd and people? It's to ask Jesus to leave the area. They were petrified by his power. This also explains why the man who was demon-possessed, when Jesus heals him, he asks Jesus if he can go with him, and Jesus tells him no. He tells him to stay. There's a purpose for that that we'll see by the time we get to Mark chapter 7. This demon-possessed man mentions that he lived in the tombs. This would have been the tombs of, of, of dead individuals. If you think of tombs at this time, it would have been like the garden tomb that Jesus would have been laid in. These would have been cave-like dwellings. These would have been a larger space. And it's in these areas that this individual lived. It's an impressive miracle that Jesus does and how he helps this individual come back to his right mind. In chapter 5, we also deal with a story within a story. As we have the account of Jairus' daughter, there's this example of something that takes place in the middle of this lesson that could use some context. There's this woman who struggled with internal bleeding for 12 years. And she spent every last penny she had going to doctors and various experts, and no one was able to help her, and her problem was getting worse. When she heard about Jesus, heard who he was, even she hoped and, and believed that if I just touch if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. That's how much she, she trusted in the power of Jesus. Jairus' daughter, to give you the context of what was taking place when Jesus arrived at the scene, if you will, the context here was the certainty of death. There was a practice at this time of hiring mourners when someone died as a way to express grief over how much this person was loved and to denote the loss. So already by the time that Jesus arrives, mourners were already on the scene. This is why there was the loud crying and wailing that was taking place and why Jesus notes it when he makes his initial comments there. So the context of everything taking place was there was no doubt that this daughter was dead. Even more giving thanks for the miracle that Jesus provides, that he provides to the parents and to the, the contingency of three disciples. We'll notice that moving forward here, that you have Peter, James, and John being referenced. This was the inner circle of disciples that were often with Jesus on some of these more intimate miracles, these personal miracles taking place. Chapter 6 deals with a reference to Jesus' hometown. Now, we remember that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but that isn't considered his hometown as far as where he grew up. We knew that after everything had taken place, when Mary and Joseph moved Jesus to, a, to Egypt for a few years to make sure that things were safe, according to the dream from, from God, when they moved back, they did not move back to Bethlehem, but they moved to Nazareth. So Nazareth is where 
Jesus grew up, and that was what was considered his hometown. We also note that his adopted hometown was Capernaum, and part of the reason why there was an adopted hometown was because his own hometown rejected him of Nazareth. Jesus spent the majority of his earthly ministry in the area of Capernaum. This also would have been in the northern area of the Galilee region. But here in Nazareth, the people could not get over their picture of Jesus as Joseph's son or as the carpenter and could not see him as the Savior. Here we note the sad commentary of Jesus being amazed at their lack of faith. It's also in chapter 6 that we deal with oaths. When King Herod made an oath to his daughter that he would give her whatever she asked for up to half of his kingdom, oaths were a serious business. It was the same thing as a signing a contract. And especially being in front of prominent individuals within his kingdom and other officials, Herod did not want to look weak or to denote that his word didn't mean anything. And so he follows through on this terrible plan to kill John the Baptist. When we get to the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples reference a a monetary amount called a denarius. Uh, A denarius was worth one day's wage. So when it talks about wanting to go and buy food for all these people and says 200 denarius, it's talking about 200 days wage. So if you put that into month's context, we're talking about over six months' salary to pay for this one meal. So the disciples saw how many people were there and what they anticipated the cost would be. And that puts in the context of Jesus' miracle to this many people with five loaves and two fish. When Jesus walked on the water, it references this taking place at the fourth watch of the night. These would be in three-hour stints, and so the fourth watch would have taken place between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Next, we'll take a look at a few different examples of looking more at the man in Decapolis and Jesus' purpose for him. And we'll also take a look at this touching story of Jesus' mercy and love that happens with Jairus' daughter. This wraps up today's podcast. We invite you to join in next time and take the opportunity to share our podcast with someone in your life who could use some peace in the pastures. You can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at Christ Countryside Wells. W-E-L-S at yahoo.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministry of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. Music used with permission from Koine, part of their soundtrack to Oh That the Lord Would Guide My Ways. You can find their music on iTunes and many other online musical stores. Scripture used in this podcast is from the Evangelical Heritage Version, used with permission from the Wartburg Project. This is Pastor Daniel Lewig wishing you God's richest blessings on your day.